All right, uh, you see the title today, you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Jesus, of course, but before we get to that, I want to talk about somebody else. And uh, I'm in no way implying that this person is Jesus. I, I don't know much about this person at all. I don't know anything about their morals or their character or anything like that. I just know that they can run the football really well. Uh, Derek Henry is no ordinary man. Now, if you're a Titans fan, you agree with that. You've seen, if you were, if you, okay, you can applaud. Uh, Dee's applauding for him. So if you're a Titans fan, you agree with that. If, you, if you're an NFL fan, you know, like, Derrick Henry's no ordinary man. If you're not a football fan, you're like, who in the world's Derrick Henry? Uh, he's the guy to the left, to the right, number 22. Now, the guy he's standing next to is not a kid. That's an adult. He's, he was the former running back for the Titans. Uh, he's 5'9", 195 pounds, the guy to the to the right of Derrick Henry. He makes him look like a little kid. I mean, it's just, he's incredible. I don't know if you've seen this or been watching this the first of this year or watched any last year, but I mean, it's incredible. And it's not just his size. It's his strength and it's his speed. So the last couple of weeks, I've just been kind of uh, caught up in all of this, just kind of enamored with it, watching all of this. And like, there's been several moments that I've been like, oh, wow, I can't, wow, I can't believe he just did that. This was one of them right here. Johnu Smith as the okay. tight ends. I was by Every myself watching this right here. And that. when it happened, I stood up in my chair and went, wow. Right here. Derrick Henry's got the red shoes. So when that happened, the guy, the announcer, of course, they laughed about it. And the announcer said, I think it was Josh Norman was the defensive back. They're like, Josh Norman, you just made every highlight video from now to eternity. Like you're going to be in every NFL highlight video from now on. Because when you watch the slow motion, it wasn't just a stiff arm. Like he picked the man up and threw him with one hand. And it's like, wow. How do you do that? And then last week, I was cutting up a deer last week. Probably a detail you didn't need to know. But I was butchering, butchering venison. That sounds better. Uh, I was butchering venison at the, at the kitchen sink there. And I had the game on, and I was just kind of watching. And it's just this little off-tackle run from the five-yard line. This is designed to get you out of the end zone a little bit. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to get caught because these defensive backs are all faster than a guy that's that big. And that, they, may not catch him. they, they never catch, catch him. him. I mean, it's just, it was, it was incredible. So it's this size and this strength and this, this speed. And I'm going to watch today. I'm, I'm going to watch anytime I can just because I want to see what he's going to do next. Like, I've always been a Titans fan, but I just want to see what he's going to do next. That's what happens when we see people that are extraordinary. We see people that just, I don't know, something's just different about them. It makes us want to watch and see what they're going to do next. It's the same reason that several years ago I watched golf. Who watches golf on TV? Don't raise your hand. But, I mean, I, I watched golf because Tiger Woods was playing golf, and Tiger Woods was not ordinary, and I wanted to see Tiger Woods. The same reason that several years ago all of us got into swimming for just a little while. I mean, how many of you are big competitive swimming fans? You watch it every time it's on TV. Well, none of us, but we watched it because Michael Phelps was swimming, and there was something different. that He was not an ordinary man. Like, something was different about him. Something was just... I don't know, and when, when we have that, when we see that, when we see the Tiger Woods and we see the Michael Phelps and we see the Derrick Henrys, we usually have three reactions to it. Number one is we're amazed. I mean, like, we're just amazed. It, it, we, we, 
we're amazed just whether there's people in the room or not. I mean, it's just something astonishing about it to us. Our jaw drops. We, we're like, wow, I can't believe what I just saw. The second thing is we talk about it. Like after Derrick Henry, uh, the Sunday after the run, we were over at the Hughes house, our neighbors, and I like first thing, like, did you see that? Did you see what Derrick Henry did? I mean, we're just talking about Everybody you run into, you talk about it. I had coffee with one of our members uh, Monday, and we were supposed to get together and talk about church stuff. And we spent 15 minutes talking about Derrick Henry, you know, because that's what we do. When we see people that amaze us, we talk about it. But this is the interesting one right here. We follow them. When we see someone that's amazing, we follow them. Now, in the sports world, that looks like watching someone. You know, like we, we're going to watch and see what they do. That's the reason we want to watch golf or swimming or, or football or whatever it is. And maybe you're not, I, I know, I'm probably too many sports analogies this morning. I apologize. I should have pulled some, like, some famous artist or famous musician or somebody for the artsy folks in the room. Like, that's who we ought to be amazed at. Look at what they do. Uh, but whenever we see somebody, it's amazing, we follow their career, we follow their life, we want to know more about them, we start trying to dig in a little bit and kind of learn a little bit more about who they are, we're interested in watching, we become fans of theirs in this context. Well, this week in your reading, and, and we're doing, if you're new to Murray Hill's we're going through the Bible together, and uh, we just started the New Testament last week, and so we're reading the story of Jesus. And uh, to this week, you're going to read about the ministry of Jesus. So it's basically everything from after he called the first disciples until the cross. And you're going to read, it's really interesting, there's two chapters you're reading. You're going to read the, the most famous stories of Jesus, like the parable of the sower, uh, the parable of the prodigal son, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You're going to read the most famous teachings of Jesus, like the Sermon on the Mount and the, you know, the I'm the Bread of Life and some of those things. And then you're going to read the most famous miracles, the walking on water, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing the sick, uh, the raising of the dead. And when Jesus, like what you'll see, what's revealed as you read this week is that, you know, Jesus calls his first disciples, and that was nothing extraordinary the calling of the first disciples, because Jesus was a rabbi, and rabbis had disciples. There were plenty of other rabbis in and around Jerusalem at the time. There were plenty of other rabbis who had disciples. A disciple's just a student or a learner. So this rabbi had followers. There's nothing extraordinary about that. But as the story begins to unfold, you begin to realize that there's something more to this rabbi. This rabbi is not like all the other rabbis. And this, I mean, there's something different. There's something unique about this person He's not an ordinary man. And so as you read, you'll see the same three reactions. Oh, not yet. You'll see the same three reactions as you read. You'll see that people were amazed. Like as you read through, I want you to notice, you might even take a highlighter in the, in the storybook and just uh, highlight the number of times you see the word amazed or astonished. I looked it up this week in the Gospels, in the NIV, 40 times those words are used. 40 different times, and they're all in reference to Jesus. Like, they were amazed at his teaching because he taught his one who had authority. They were amazed at his miracles. Like, they were just like, I just can't, you know, what is it about this guy? They were just astonished at the things that, they said, no one has ever seen like this, anything like this in all of Israel. Um, they, were, they were amazed at his interactions with people. They were amazed at the people that he hung out with. The fact that he didn't hang out with the religious authorities, as a good rabbi would, he didn't even care about what the religious people thought about him. He hung out with the social outcasts. It was, he hung out with prostitutes and sinners and, and drunkards. And I mean, that's just, there was all of this that people were just amazed at Jesus because he, he spoke and acted as one who had authority. And he, not just the authority to forgive sins, but he spoke and acted as one who had the authority over life and death itself. 
And then they talked about it, like you couldn't shut them up. Early in the story, uh, Jesus is not quite ready to reveal that he's the Messiah to everybody. So, the, so this miracle happens, and whoever he heals goes and tells everybody, which you would too, right? I mean, if you, were, if you had not walked in 50 years or whatever, and you're healed, you'd go tell everybody about this person that healed you. Well, that's what people were doing, and Jesus would say, no, we're not ready yet. You know, this is not, it's not time for, for my identity to be revealed, but they couldn't stop him. You know, the crowds talking. So all these crowds begin following Jesus very early in his ministry. And, and that's the third there. They became followers. They, they came to hear him teach. They came to seek his healing because there was something different about this rabbi. And they started asking questions about, like, Jesus, like, could it be? I mean, if you can imagine, if you kind of put yourself in that situation, like that, the more Jesus revealed about himself, the more they saw him do something miraculous or they heard some teaching that really struck them, they started asking, like, could, could this be the Messiah? Like, is this, could this be, is this, this Jesus, son of Joseph, could he be the one the prophets were talking about? I mean, Joseph's in the line of David. I mean, could he be, Mary, could he be the one that they're talking about? And if you... It's so hard, because I'm reading in advance of you guys. Like The, the idea behind this series is I'm kind of piquing your interest to hopefully that you want to go read about this, this person, Jesus, this week. And it's, as I was reading in preparation for this message, I'm like, how do you capture astonishment and amazement in a, in a book? And I know you can. I, I love to read, so I know you can. But like, it's hard to, to visualize just I guess what I'm saying is I've read those Bible stories so many times that I tend to skip over how amazing they are. They just, they're not as amazing to me anymore because familiarity breeds I don't know, apathy in some cases. Like, you know, it's not, I'm not I have contempt for them. It's just like I've just read those stories so many times I forget like, man, if you were there, that had to be one of the most amazing conversations ever. That had to be one of the most amazing things to witness or to see ever. You just kind of lose some of that. As you read it. And, and I was thinking this week as I'm reading the story, I'm like, man, somebody ought to make a movie about this. Uh, you know, <laughs> somebody, somebody ought to put this on the big screen. If somebody just tell this story dramatically, think how powerful that would be. And then I realized that people have made movies about this. And most of them are bad. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of bad Jesus movies out there. Matter of fact, Scott did my slides this week. And I was like, Scott, I just need an image of a bad Jesus movie. And he found that. Uh, I don't even know what movie that is, but that, yeah, I can tell just from the look that that's probably a, a bad Jesus movie. Uh, because here's what they do with Jesus. They either try to stay so true to the text, like they're so scared about staying away from the text that Jesus has this cardboard personality and all the disciples have a cardboard personality and the language is just stilted. Or um, they, they stray so far from the text that Jesus is weird, like think Jesus Christ superstar. Like they, 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 interp they put all this extra stuff into the text and make up all these parts about the story, about who Mary Magdalene was and all that kind of stuff. Or, and this video, this image captures it, Scott, Jesus is just too white. I mean, that's the, I mean, like, seriously, he's too white. He's, he was not a white European. He was a Middle Eastern Jew. So, I mean, there was like, there's so you get this, I used to watch these a lot, and I used to show these when I was in student ministry, and I realized, like, I just, it, it's a sin to make Jesus cheesy or to make Jesus corny. That's a, that sh they shouldn't do that with Jesus. I mean, this is, the, this is the most amazing person who ever lived. We need to be amazed by him. And uh, Tommy and I, and you just happened to be here today, Tommy. With the, Tommy and I went fishing like three weeks ago, and Tommy's like, 
hey, have you watched The Chosen? And I was like, nope. And he's like, it's, you get it on YouTube or uh, they, they got a website or something like that. You can get it, you can watch it. This new, they're trying to do a new video. A new, uh, it's a TV series. It's not necessarily a movie, but they're doing a series that you can stream of Jesus. And uh, I haven't watched it, but I started watching the clips and the trailers and all that stuff. And I was like, this is, this is pretty good. And so I, I went to Google and I started looking for like, stories of Jesus' interactions with people in which people were amazed. And, of course, it's, it's full of them. But the, the story I ran across is the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. It was a Samaritan. It's told in John chapter 4. And it's really early, you know, in Jesus' ministry. Matter of fact, it's one of the first persons that Jesus reveals his identity to. And it's interesting because she was a social outcast, she was a Samaritan, and she was a woman. And Jesus says, I want to reveal myself to this person first. And you'll notice in her reactions, she's amazed. She's confused at first, but as the confusion kind of dawns into amazement, and then she's going to talk about it, and she actually becomes a follower of his. So I, I wanted to just show you this clip. And it's, it's way longer than any clip I ever show. And it's like seven minutes. Because I, I want you to somehow, if you can, I know this is difficult, like, if you can somehow stop listening to a sermon, you know, and, and kind of take yourself out of, I'm sitting in a building in 2020, and try to imagine being at a, like just a third-party observer of this interaction between Jesus and, and this woman. And uh, she comes in the middle of the day because she's a social outcast, and it's very inappropriate for, for Jews to interact with Samaritans, and it's inappropriate for this man to be alone with this woman. And so Jesus breaks all of the social rules and all of the constructs at this time. But just try to imagine watching this. And what I want you to watch for is the amazement. I want you to try to imagine yourself in her shoes as this man who something's He's not ordinary. Something's different. He seems ordinary at the beginning, but something, something's different. Let's watch this together. Would you give me a drink? me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask her to drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, 
would be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water, hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <sighs> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth, heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with, but you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? 
I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. Foxy, you man, you told me everything I ever did. <laughs> it's just they. It's not exactly the way that John records it in his gospel. They they add a few things in there, but I think they capture the spirit of what's happening. And when this woman talked to Jesus, she was amazed. She told everyone she knew. Both of those things are in there. And according to the traditions of Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church, she became a disciple of Jesus. Her name was Fonti. And she became one of the early disciples of Jesus. There's so much in here. And as I'm watching, and this is probably the third or fourth time I've watched it today, um, or this week, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, why does that still appeal to us? Because we live 2,000 years after the Messiah has come. Why does it tug at our hearts that about the, the lack of condemnation and not making worship about mountains and temples or churches and stages, but, you know, like, like, but making it about spirit and truth? And I mean, like we, if anybody, we ought to be so far removed from that, it doesn't even make any sense to us anymore. But it makes sense because a lot of the things Jesus came to tear down, we have reconstructed. And so you think about, well, I mean, this is, the, this is in effect the first gospel preacher, right? She's going to tell everyone she knew about Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. And it's a woman, and it's a Samaritan, and she's an outcast. And Jesus tears down gender barriers. He tears down racial barriers. He tears down religious barriers. And he tears down social barriers. And we've pretty much tried to reconstruct them all. To where the church today is famous for its gender barriers, its racial barriers, its religious barriers, and its social barriers. We wouldn't be seen with a woman like that. We would, certainly wouldn't give her our stage. 
But, it, but as Jesus, I mean, like when you see this, there's other New Testament passages that ought to come to mind. One of them is Paul in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where he says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Because he's trying to communicate that Jesus came to tear down the barriers. And Paul was once a keeper of the barriers. Paul was, he felt it was his responsibility to make sure and keep those divisions. And once he met Jesus, those divisions went away. The other one that I think of is something Jesus said himself. When the religious leaders criticized him for the kind of people he hung out with, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. Jesus turned the world upside down, and, and he said, you know, I didn't, I didn't come for the put together and the, and the perfect and, and those that kind of got it all figured out. and the confident. I came for the people who were doubting. I came for the, for the downtrodden. I came for the, the outcast. I came for the marginalized. That's who I came for. The other one that comes to mind is, is something John said just a chapter earlier. It's John 3.16. You all know it. Whosoever believes... Whosoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. The verse right after it says, For the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. This is what makes Jesus no ordinary man. It's not just that he's the Messiah. I mean, that's yes, that's what makes him no ordinary man. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the one that was promised in the Old Testament. But what's amazing about this Messiah is he's not at all who, the, who they thought he was going to be. They thought he's going to be this political ruler, this leader, this powerful person who's going to overthrow the Roman oppressors and reestablish the rule of Jerusalem. And that's not at all what he does. He doesn't even get involved in politics. Other than to say, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. What he does is he comes to say, I'm instituting or I'm establishing a new kingdom. And it is a different kind of kingdom. It's a kingdom not of this world. And it's a kingdom in which the poor are welcome and the, the Samaritans are welcome. And there's no one who's not your neighbor. And people who have been condemned by this world or people who've been outcast by this world, people who've been marginalized by this world are welcome. That's, matter of fact, this is how I'm going to establish my kingdom is through this. And I come to bring mercy and I come to bring justice. And when people saw Jesus doing this, their reaction was they were amazed. And I, I think we've lost our ability in a lot of ways. I'm speaking for myself. I won't use we. I've lost my ability in some ways to be amazed by who Jesus is and what he's done. That song, Tiffany, I don't know, she's backstage probably, but the, <laughs> that you make the darkness tremble, that song, the last one we said, well, both of the last two songs we sang, wow. I mean, that, that's the message. That preaches better anything than I could have said here. That, that bridge in that last song that we sang, I can't even quote it. I'll go back and reread it. But, I mean, it's just so powerful. Like, we've got to recapture that sense of amazement with Jesus. And that's one of the things I hope, and hope happens as we read the story together. So let me, uh, let me give you your homework. <laughs> and we're going to pray. And then I'll, I'll tell you just a little bit about the treasure hunt that's happened this afternoon. But here's your homework. All right, if you're doing the story with us, if you have a story book... Uh, we're reading chapters 24 and 25 today. And pretty much everything in there is just a straight excerpt out of Scripture. Like I said, you're going to read about the parables and the miracles and all of that kind of stuff. Chapters 24, 25. If you don't have that and you want to read with us, take a picture of this screen real quick or jot down these, these chapters. But here's the chapters you can read. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. That's probably the most famous teaching of Jesus. So read that. 
Luke 15 and 16 is the story of the prodigal son, and there's a couple other parables in there as well. Those are some of the most famous parables of Jesus. Read those. And then John 4 through 6 is about the miracles of Jesus. So you mix in his famous stories, one of his most famous teachings, and then the miracles of Jesus. And John 4 includes the actual story of the woman uh, that Jesus met at the well. That's the longest recorded conversation in the Gospels that Jesus had with somebody. So read those passages right there sometime this week. If you're not a reader, BibleProject.com. And just go there and watch one of the synopsis. They got like summaries of the Gospels. So watch one of them. John, Matthew, Mark. Watch one of those you know, summaries of the Gospels. And if you want to talk about it with somebody, Ebony at MurrayHills.com. She's online right now if you're online. But Ebony at MurrayHills.com. She's hosting a, a small group discussion. And you can jump in it. If you hadn't been in the small group discussion at all, that's fine. We have new people jumping in it all the time. So you can jump in the small group discussion if you want to talk about something that you've read or something we've talked about today. Uh, it's Thursdays at 10 a.m. or uh, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Either one of those options. It's all Zoom. Just, just email Ebony and she'll send you the link to the Zoom discussion. Okay? Let me pray for us and then I'm going to talk a little bit about our activity this afternoon. So let's, let's pray first though. Father, I am thankful for uh, the stories that are recorded. I hear all throughout this series, I've been thankful that the stories are recorded, that John must have heard you tell this story to him, and he saved it, and he put it in his gospel so that this would be passed down generations to generations, and we would know of this story that took place with this woman at the well. Uh, we're thankful for you know, the things that John wrote, and the things that Matthew wrote, and the things that Mark and Luke wrote to remind us that you are the Messiah and to let us know and, and forgive us for not being amazed by that and not being astounded by who you are and what you've done for us. And uh, help us to shake off you know, our chains of, of apathy and, and familiarity and just once again become amazed at who you are how much you love us, and how far you're willing to go to rescue and redeem us, which, we're gonna, which we'll get into next week. Um, thank you for today and the, the worship we've had today, and, and we pray for these things that are coming up tonight. We do pray for our, our community as, as there's been a spike with COVID, and uh, we pray for our nation as there's been a spike there. Pray for the folks at Murray Regional, for Allen and the uh, Martin and you know all the folks that are there that are managing this crisis and uh, just pray that that things would go down and and there would be some healing come there. Uh, it's in the name of your Son Jesus. I pray these things. Amen. All right, real quick before you get out of here, um, this is tonight and uh, about two. You know this the COVID thing goes up and down.